I don't see it yet. This is Live from the Table, the official podcast of New York's world-famous comedy cellar coming at you. Why don't, uh, you, just do, why don't you do that when Addy signs on? Because we, we roll the guest in. Oh, I see what you're saying. I got you. Okay, all right. In. It's, like, it's like a party going on and people come, they go, they go. I thought you'd enjoy your intro. You, you have a good intro. Well, well, we can read. You're a pro. You're what's known as a professional. You're a professional broadcaster. <laughs> this is live from the table. Podcast of New York's world famous comedy cellar. Coming at you on Sirius XM 99. Raw Dog. And on the Ridecast Podcast Network. This is Dan Natterman. We're doing a special episode with Periel Ashenbrand, our producer, Dove Davidoff. Yes. And Dove's mother will be joining us shortly. Shortly. Uh, we look forward to it. Uh, Dove, you look like you're in a new house. Is No, oh, no, no. I'm in a motel room. The same house. Oh, there's my mother right there. Okay. Addie Balfman has rocked. Addie, short, I guess, for Adelaide, but I, I don't really know. Yeah. Is it Adelaide? Yeah, Addie right. Balfman. Addie, do you hear us? Dan, not only do I hear you, I see you. Where the hell are you in this well, I let me address that. There's apparently some people that are that have that watched this on YouTube that think this is my house. This is a virtual background. It is a house from the Hollywood <laughs> Hills, somewhere in Los Angeles, California. <laughs> it's not my house. It is a virtual background. I yeah. want to see your house. Well, my house is unimportant. My house is not as nice as this, so I leave this up. No, uh, no. This looks horrible. It looks like the 1%. Yeah, and I have nothing against the 1%. As long as they earned it legally and pay their taxes fairly, uh, I have nothing against the 1%. Uh, we're all the 1%. We're the 1%. We live better than 99.9% the, than .9 of people that have ever walked this stinking planet. Uh, so we're the 1% in that case, in that, in that uh, you know, regard. Anyway, Addie, your, your, your hand is blocking the screen. Oh, oh. <laughs> okay. So, so, um... Where should we start this week? I did want to, first of all, welcome Addie. I haven't seen you in a long time. Well, tell her what this is, Dan. This, this, oh, you don't know what this is? Uh, the Comedy Cellar you haven't, you haven't said anything. You haven't introduced anything. You just said raw dog. Yeah, you, you do your introduction, Dan. I already did my introduction. No, but it's, you didn't really do a full introduction. I, okay. I did a full introduction. Okay. Um, but I'll introduce Addie more, I guess, more in more detail. Addie Baufman is the mother of Dove Davidoff, as I said. I think I said. And she is a psychotherapist, a former cult member, I believe. At least that's what Dove tells me. I mean, no, 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 you don't have to. Yeah, well, yeah, certainly. There was a cultish aspect to it. No more so than's going on in, in our in our you know mainstream kind of media narrative right now i mean something of a cult but anyway but you go ahead. She, she is also a amateur uh mosaic tile artist and She's welder mosaic yes and welder bike riding uh nude surfing <laughs> and whale watching we welcome addy no, watching <laughs> to our program, to the Comedy Cellar podcast bonus episode. Thank you for coming, Addie. Good to see you. It's been a while. Anything new on your end, Addie? Uh, I don't have a home. Well, why is that? Well, I, I um, feel like a gypsy. I, I was taken out of New York City on March 10th because my uh, Dove's brother was concerned about how old I am, my age, and my HIV status. I'm HIV positive. 
So he thought I should get out of the city. So I have been out of the city and uh, yeah, surviving out of the city. Where are you? Right now I'm in Mom, London. This is, this is Perry L. She's, she's the, the producer, co-host and, and she's an author as well. And she's a card carrying leftist hailing from Queens but uh, deeply curious on an intellectual level and a dynamic young lady who's added much to this whole broadcast because this animal with the orange hat won't cut his hair, but go ahead. <laughs> What's her name again, Deb? What's Harry her L. Harriel. Oh, Deb said I would like you, by the well, way. Well, I've, I've heard a lot about you, so I'm excited to finally <laughs> see you in real life. So, so Ori, so my anyway, brother, wanted you out of town, safe from the virus. Well, yeah. Yeah, so I went with him up to his home in the Berkshires, but my daughter-in-law was having a really hard time with me being there. And- uh, This is Orion's wife, not Dove's- Yes, Orion's wife. Orion is Dove's wife. And brother. so it was like, it came to, it was either her or me. <laughs> and uh, I, so Orion uh, brought me to a good friend in New Jersey and a kindness, of her heart, I am now in a beautiful little town uh, on a canal on the Delaware River, and missing missing New York City terribly. Well, what went on between you and 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 Orion's wife? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dan! Oh, my Dan! <laughs> Dan, I I wish I knew. I, they said I was too intense. Well, she said, I'm a big presence. I'm very intense. I'm very opinionated. All of which was true. We lost your sound for a second. Oh, I'm. Uh, my daughter-in-law was concerned about my big presence, my yes. intensity, my loud opinions, uh, my lack of boundaries at times. And I can't disagree with any of the above. It's just that, I don't know, I thought maybe during a pandemic there would all be all this family healing. A little bit some feedback, Addie, maybe. I, I don't know what's... Um, oh. What's going am I, okay, maybe, am I talking? Am yeah, I just, talking just don't touch the speaker, Ma. If there's like a speaker near your hand, sometimes there's a oh. little receiver on the computer. What, okay. Are you using a, a iPad? A pad of I'm using my iPad, yeah. yeah. yeah there may is it be on a, a desk problem. or is it on your knee, on your lap? It's on my legs. Well, that's the problem. I think you should put it on a desk or some solid surface. Okay, okay. That, I think that would be a benefit. All right. Um, okay. So, Dan, my friend just laughed because you really got to the a real difficult point in my life right now actually the most painful part of my life your daughter-in-law yeah yeah i have a mother-in-law and um i can empathize i think that it's um an inherently sort of thorn and i have a son also so i can really oh. empathize with um both both sides well I don't know. I mean, you know, I have a little boy, and so I understand that, you know, from my mother-in-law's perspective, um, you'll excuse my language, but, you know, I'm probably some cunt who stole her son. 
Um, oh, really? Well, oh. you know, I mean, pro you know, on some level, I know it's more complicated than that. I'm, you know, simplifying it, but I right, think it's an inherently right. thorny, um, and I can certainly empathize with you because I imagine that, you know, he'll someday find some bitch and, um, no, I'm just kidding. But, you know, it's, um, it's a <laughs> Addie, can I, can I bring the conversation around to Dove only because this is a, this is a, we're trying to focus on the, on the main characters here uh, from this podcast. Sure. You do anything you want. I'll, okay. I'll try. I was to... just wondering what your thoughts were on what I'd I can like to get a haircut. If we're going to do anything I want, I'd like him to, <laughs> he hasn't cut his hair in three months, this animal. He wears a hat everywhere. He's with his hat. I cover up, I cover up my hair, just like I cover up my feelings. Um, <laughs> everything I just put under, I sweep everything under the rug, figuratively and literally, but <laughs> I wanted to talk about Dove's marriage. I think I'm I'm <laughs> I, I'm very upset by what's going on. It was Jessica's oh. birthday yesterday. Dove's wife's birthday, her 35th birthday. I know, I know. Yes. I and started painting for her. You know what? I I didn't feel like it was appropriate for me to wish her a happy birthday because her and Dove oh. are splitting up, and I feel like well, I've got to go with Dove, and that means that I have to cut off all contact with Jessica, including a have happy birthday. Wait a minute, whoa. Have you discussed this with Dove? No, I'm just going by what I consider to be protocol. Well, listen, but it's all contextual. There are times where I, I certainly, I, I've had that experience when Brian and Amanda and any number of friends, and especially um, given, if the person's in a sort of chaotic relationship and the breakup is often, um, it takes place with a lot of, um, there's a lot of anxiety and negativity and drama over the course of the breakup. It's often, I try to, you know, create a clean break. In this case, um, since we have a kid together and it's not, it's not super volatile. I find her to be a, a relatively impossible human being to communicate with, but I certainly don't think that a, a, you know, a happy birthday would be inappropriate. Uh, we did have a breakup in Los Angeles where a friend invited her to dinner with these other guys. Like that kind of thing I felt was inappropriate because it come back, the ball gets hit back into my court. And if Jessica had a better read on things and I had more faith and trust in her ability to read the tea leaves in a social or logistical situation, uh, then there would be more leeway. But certainly, whatever, a birthday. Wait, wait, wait a minute. I'm getting a little confused. Uh, birthday's you... okay, is, is the long story short. Oh. Birthday's okay. Um, I, I've decided to park. We figured out a way to split and, and still have, I, I need contact with my son, you know, on a regular basis. It's not going to work for me just. Oh, you know that. what? Yeah. You know what's going on here too? The internet's pretty bad here. Right. And I have trouble all the time. So uh, that could be the problem. I'm sorry. Oh, well, you're, you're coming in clear now, Addie. So we'll let okay. you know if there's a problem. You're so, okay. Dan, did you hear that? That it would have been okay for you to wish Jess a happy birthday? Well, yes, I did. So noted for next year. It's too late now. <laughs> But for next year, that is duly noted. What, what do you think, Addie? Do you feel any loss? You've lost a daughter-in-law. I mean, the other daughter-in-law, apparently things aren't going great, but with Jessica, <laughs> you, with Jessica, you had a pretty good relationship, I think. 
looks like things Daddy are is frozen. Um, Daddy is frozen over there. In yeah, it's an unfortunate position to be frozen. <laughs> Your mouth is like open and she's frozen. Yeah, no, I could think of a better way to be frozen. That ain't the way to go. If you're going to freeze, don't freeze like that. Yeah, that's... Uh, um, she'll come back. Yeah, she'll be back. I have a feeling she will be, yeah. Yeah, she always does. She always does. <laughs> uh, she's in tremendous condition. You know, she walks up and down when this COVID thing hit and, you, and, and they shut the elevators in a building. She walks 20 flights. Two zero, 20. She, she's gone. Anyway. By the way, we should mention, she, she mentioned she was HIV positive. That's kind of like the kind of thing you can't just mention and just go right. into your business. You kind of have to address it. She, right. she had, it, she got it. She's in she, tremendous condition. It isn't she got the it from a, She got it from uh, just a man she was dating and, and right, and, and a heterosexual relationship. Yeah, you can ask her, yeah. Addie, your, your HIV status, you mentioned it a few minutes ago. Well, no, wait, wait, wait. Are we skipping over Jessica that No, we're going to get right back to Jessica, but you had mentioned oh. HIV, and I just, it just feels like something you can't just casually gloss over. It's Yeah, yeah, okay. You know, like it might, oh. you might need to address it a little more fully. <laughs> okay. But, but I believe yeah. you got that just from a, a, a guy what you were dating. What would you like to know? Ago. But you oh, had shit. to get it. Yeah, it was just a... Uh, yeah, it was the third date, fourth date with a guy, and uh, uh, let's see, it, it, to tell you the truth, it was a little boring, so I, I thought maybe sex would make it more interesting. Bang! There you go, Dan. Unfortunately, you haven't had enough of those occurrences. And, uh, we use, and I actually asked him to use a condom. And... Uh, we used a condom. I, I don't know what happened. Well, wow. And it, it's when I was 60 years old. And at that time, that was like 13 years ago, there were actually a lot of elderly women who were becoming HIV positive because they were dating men who never revealed their status, their HIV status. Um, but it just... It's incredibly unlikely. The odds of that happening are so thin. Yeah. And and it and can spin confirmed that he had it. You, you were in touch with him and he, he did. Well, it took a long time, Dan. I think I was in a state of shock when I learned that I had it. I became very ill within about three weeks of contact with this guy. And my doctor suspected it was him who gave it to me. And so I... I tried calling him to find out, and he wouldn't ever answer his phone. And then, um, I don't know, without, I, I just don't remember all the details, but he lied a lot at first. And finally, the only other person I had had sex with in a couple of years was someone who went and got tested and was negative. So my HIV doctor kept telling me well, she froze again. At the this was my most recent issue. sexual contact. And I went to his place. I knew, I knew where he worked. So I actually went to his place of work. And they told me he wasn't there. I left. And within five minutes, I got a phone call from him. He threatened to call the police on me if I didn't stop calling him. And that's when he, I think he was really afraid I was going to press charges. Does that make any sense? Is yeah, that it makes perfect sense. Oh, it's a crazy story, but it makes sense. It's yeah, it's a pretty crazy story. But so anyway, so uh, yeah. So getting back, and to you know, for many, no, go ahead, go ahead, Dan. No, I, I thought I just I I wanted to get back to Jessica, and okay, uh, 
you know, maybe, maybe unless there's more, more, more uh, juice to, you know, to right. Oh, and by the way, I want to say something to I, I. It's an unusual name, so I can't remember it. Ariel. Ariel. Yeah. Ariel. I wanted to. You know, Dan is bringing up Dove's soon-to-be ex-wife. Yes. And I just want to say that as a mother-in-law, my experience with her was so, so different. Yeah. Um, I felt really embraced by her. We were very close. I actually used to like put her uh, as one of my five best friends. Uh, it was a wonderful relationship. Well, she's in, so in many ways. Yes. Yeah. And we still stay in touch. And unlike Dan, I did feel comfortable wishing her a happy birthday. Well, I was and, with somebody uh, for 10 years before I was um, with my current husband, although I wasn't married oh. to my ex. And I was very close with his mom, too. And Eve, I mean, I'm oh. still friendly with him. But, you know, I, I don't think it's by, you know, oh. it has to be that way, but... So, 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 so Addie... Ariel so. met her current beau banging away on, a, on somewhere in Israel at a wedding with no intention of being involved in a, in a, in a, in a relationship like a lady. That's true. Ariel has... Ariel is what we call... They used to call it a slut. I never liked that word. <laughs> I never liked that word. I thought it was pejorative and judgmental. We don't... I don't... I never use it, but people don't use it as much anymore. Now we say sex positive. Sex positive. Sex positive. <laughs> well, I mean, the thing is, is that I was a real tomboy. I mean, in certain ways, I kind of still am. And I couldn't, it seems like, you know, when I started having sex when I was, you know, a teenager, it was like these guys would just have sex and then just walk away. And I didn't right. understand why we couldn't do that also. I'm with you. Yeah, but you are. And look what happened to you. <laughs> so, Addie, does it I'm make you, you. Given, given your close, relationship, close relationship with Jessica, how do you feel about this impending divorce? Well, I think for a long time now, you know, Dan, I haven't seen you for a while, and I'm sure that over the last many months, you and I would have been talking about it. That would have been nice. I miss you. <laughs> oh, well, that's lovely to say. I, I miss I you. Miss you. Um, so much. I, I have a better relationship with Dove's mom sometimes. Well, I don't want to get into my family, but, um, <laughs> well, you know, you know, D Dan, it always strikes me when you say you sit, you cover up your hair, you cover up your feelings, right? you know, to tell you the truth, I, you've never struck me strongly that way. I feel like whenever I get together with you, you get to the heart of a matter. I'm you better may with, not. I'm, yes, I get to the heart of the matter when it's your life and your <laughs> in-law. But when That's you ask true. a question about me, That's... I'll deflect the shit from here till next Tuesday. That's right. That's right. Okay. Oh yeah, okay. no, he'll get to the heart. But I'm happy no, to talk look... about your your HIV and your. <laughs> oh, right to the heart no. of it. Dan, you already brought up your quandary about Dove's. Uh, wife Jess and how you handle how you handle your relationship with her because she's always cared about you very much oh really yeah <laughs> yes, yes. 
Oh, this changes everything. Um, this changes everything. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I will give her a ring. But um, <laughs> do you feel any loss from from this, um, you know, this this development? You know, even though you're still in touch with her, but it, it's not quite yeah. the same thing. No, it's not. Um, God, I. I think, you know, my, my major concern when I was first hearing Dev talk about how unhappy he was, my I was surprised because I love Jessica and I, yet I found myself really concerned about Dev's happiness. And the more I listened to him, the sadder I felt for him. Such a sad. I also... I also heard him having a lot of insights into his own immaturity at, uh, at the time when he, you know, chose this person. I, you know, it along along the way. Am I talking too much? Too? No, no. I this is involved. But go ahead. Did you freeze again? Or? I, I, all, I, from the get-go, had questioned how good they were. I, I had questioned how good they were for each other. You know, I, I felt like sometimes Dove mistreated her and was harsh with her. And then I felt like her own way of dealing with it would set off things. And I don't know. I always had my concerns. And I, uh, I so I wasn't shocked. I think oh, that the fact that Dominic. there's no shock. But yeah. I've always been really I, I impressed with how you guys seem, or you know, hearing from you, you seem to have like a real kindness or generosity of spirit, and you seem to be able to share a space with. Emerson in a way that's I don't know really. Talking about Dove or Addy. Well, how would I be talking about Addy? <laughs> oh, I was enjoying it, Periel. I thought you were talking about how kind I was. Oh, shit. Okay. You too. <laughs> I don't know what Dove... Oh. I don't Let's know what Dove... Well, you know, wait, wait. Wait, I think Periel was picking up on something and that's really oh, important is here. Is people to, to get too heavy into this? No, I think she was picking up on something really important that I, I want to emphasize. And that is, I've seen Dev work really hard at trying to make this a good divorce. That divorce. they state, they worked on it for many months in therapy. It's going to be such and, a good divorce. Um, so sweet. Yeah, um, I listen. We'll, 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 we'll work it. I, I listen to people. You know, I mean, look, I don't know what Dove. I, I don't know what Dove's. Yeah, you, you'll be the arbiter of what you know. What's, what's I? I feel Dove's. I don't. I don't want to go as far as to say he's making a mistake, uh, but <laughs> I don't think he's going to find what he's looking for. If he's looking for somebody, you're with, out of your mind. You don't understand what it's no, like. No, wait, wait. Being in a I'm relationship listening. under that wait, wait, in that context, you don't know because you just know her socially. I'm telling you, there is there are tweaks. It's like being in a fun house. 
There are these different things that happen. It would take a while to describe it. I didn't just hop because, you know, a thing or two didn't add up. I've been through three therapists. It is a strange, it's, it's like a fun house. As you walk through the hall of mirrors, things begin to shift. The images still are representative of the person walking by the mirrors. It's a very odd place to be. She's a nice human being. We got nothing in common. I thought, you know, that there would be aspects, shifts. I'm not talking about suddenly, you know, somebody becomes a physicist, you know, but they never had any interest in math. I'm talking about a, a way to mitigate the more pathological parts of your personality to the degree that you could then sort of move through life without a crude, tremendous amount of effort. I've had enough of the anxiety of the hall of mirrors and the reality testing. Please, I could give you examples. I don't want to go bad on you. She's a nice person. We're going to work it out. We'll be good co-parents. I'm going to park an RV in the house that on her driveway. I'm, I'm dead serious. I just worked this out with him. I said, this, this is what it's all contingent upon. I realized that coming in and out of Manhattan to be with my kid is going to be challenging sometimes because of traffic. I don't want definitive little non-traffic windows I got to jump through. So uh, I, I decided to, buy, get, to get an RV. And you're going to park in their driveway? Well, that sounds interesting. Oh, it sure is interesting. And I'm the first guy to think of it. I'm going to park an RV, you understand? Go ahead. Go about your business. Go date. Go do whatever you... I could drive out from the city at night. I get in my sweet, sweet recreation vehicle. I wait until morning. I get to see my kid. I spend an hour or two. I could take him to school. I could take him to a game, wherever he needs to go. And then I can drive back to the city after he goes to sleep. And now I got a place to stay in my RV. You understand? Oh, that RV will never go anywhere. I've never wanted to be in an RV. But this I'm excited about because it's a solution. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a sweet, sweet RV. Is and everybody, everybody will understand then what a great idea it was. <laughs> years from now. Addy, we have you. Okay, okay, wait, wait. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah Batty, we had her on two. Wild Sorry. But you know, you know what? what? Oh, shit. Hey, you got to take like it a to the Hells Angels party. I mean, I was like an acid trip. That was trippy, baby. <laughs> okay. See Amityville Horror. Okay, I took her uh, off this one. Okay. I, I just now left you're good. the meeting on my iPad, Periel. You're I'm good. So sorry. Oh, you're because fine. I, well, you know, the sorry is one good. thing, but you've ruined the entire episode and we have to throw it out. <laughs> sorry, yeah. No, we're, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, these um, things happen. Well, I, I think. I, I do find it interesting to delve into this, but maybe we should open up the conversation to more general matters. You, there you go. Do you want to talk about, I, do, you, do you want to hear Addie's perspective on the events of the week? Black well, Matter and all that? You know, I've, I've, I, I mean, sure, we can, we can, look, we can get into, get into the, the racial justice thing. Well, I, I want to I follow up here with something that just happened that I noticed. Go ahead. And you that was Dan. Dan, when you said, uh, oh, you sounded rather hopeless that Dove was going to find what he's looking for. He doesn't know what and I'm looking I'm for. I, I don't even know what I'm looking for. 
Well, then I guess you, in that case, you'd have to, in order to not find the destination, you'd have to have a destination for God's sake. I'm not headed Fair to enough. Disney World. Fair enough. But Dan, I would. Mike grows his hair out, thinks he knows everything. He's wearing a backwards hat like a 13 year old kid from Bensonhurst. Tell Dan to quiet down. <laughs> well, I'd like to hear more about what Dan thinks, why he thinks that, that it, you might not find what you're looking well, for. Well, he doesn't know what could. I just I just want to be sensitive to the audience to do you know okay you know this goes out on like serious real, 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 real briefly yeah. uh, I would just say that Jessica may not be the woman for Dove that's fair and if Dove says that she's not for him he would know better than I would but the point is is Nobody I'm knows not better sure than you I, I'm not sure he's going to find whatever it is he thinks is what he's who would be good for him I think it just may well be tragically that he is condemned. And it's me and you, baby, right until the end. We don't need, <laughs> we go, we, we raw dog it. That's called singlehood, right until the end. Well, it may come to that now. It may, and that'll be better than what I've been dealing with. Okay, that's fair. But, but I mean, I've run the numbers, I've run the numbers. This is not a rash, uh, a reactionary decision. I process, I process this with three uh, different uh, 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 couple psychologists, for God's sake. I mean, over the course of uh, a few years, and then even made significant sacrifices by buying a house in the suburbs. I got leveraged out of where I should have been. You understand? Leverage. Believe me, I've been through the ringer here. This is not. This is not something that, you know, there was some low-level, you know, reaction to a situation, and I hadn't owned my own sadness and culpability and believe me this is a high level divorce i'm gonna have an rv well the rv i didn't know about the rv when i made that statement you didn't know about the rv but now you know now you know it's gonna be so so sweet hey jessica's new guy i'm just here at the rv in the in the driveway playing with my kid don't worry about me and this rv ain't going anywhere either that's kind of my kid Will you be parking the RV at the Comedy Cellar when you come into the city for your spot? RV parking <laughs> at the Comedy Cellar. RV parking, baby. You've always wanted a place to go right afterward. You meet a girl at the bar at the Comedy Cellar between, between downtown and the Upper East Side where you live. Anything can go wrong. You get an RV right outside, your probability goes through the roof, Johnny. Now, now you're talking because now, now we talking. have an after party at the Comedy Cellar. That's what we call <laughs> recreational vehicle. It ain't, it ain't all camping grounds with me then <laughs> but you could but you could actually i mean it's actually kind of genius tremendous nobody's ever done it it's either totally psychotic or pure genius no it's it's i think it's brilliant Be, well i mean you're not going to drive it into the city you're going to leave oh, it no there. no 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 never never you're gonna I'm, leave it there I, i'm going to leave it there and hook it to the house i've already i've already googled on where to take what's called black water i didn't know what i would do with the stuff that goes into the toilet but then i found out that there are all these campsites and you hook up a pipe and you dump it in every few weeks and then i can go out and be with my kid and not be in her space and and i, I have to you know i figured in the city the logistics are getting tight by the way periel how is life going outside of the city for you well, you know, I really, you know, I'm with, I'm with Addie. Like, I'm also homeless, yeah. and I feel like a gypsy, so. Yeah. That's why you need an RV. Yeah. And I plan there, on solving. Can I tell you something? There's yeah. a fucking RV sitting in the driveway of yeah, this really? house that belongs <laughs> to my friend who owns this I house. Love it. 
I've always wanted to sleep in an RV. Um, hey, Dove, Dove, yeah. you can get a compost toilet for the RV. Excellent. Let's let's move on from this subject. <laughs> Hold we'll on now. I mean, compost is important yes. um, to our listeners. <laughs> Addie, here's a lot the of thing. our listeners are farmers. Addie, here's the thing. Uh, you know, in our world, we're kind of told that and maybe it's correct and maybe it's not correct, that the life you're supposed to live is that of marriage. Hopefully the marriage lasts and monogamy, but maybe, just maybe we're not all built for that. And maybe Dove is, we know that I'm not, but maybe Dove is also really not built for that. He, he, he may well be a great father and, I, and yeah. all evidence suggests that he is, but- uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't hop on that. I would like to be able to be easy to sort of, you know, um, I don't know, sort of rationalize an innate disposition that would allow me to make peace with my own failures. I failed in reading the tea leaves. I'm not that angry with myself. I didn't fail in that. I got involved with an addict and then thinking, oh, she's going to clean up. And then she turned out to be an addict. I failed to read. The, 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 there, were, there, there was enough going on that I did not read accurately and so for that i'm responsible but i wouldn't chalk it up to oh it's not you know who i am i i think who we are is more uh, layered than that I, I don't know that i think people use that too quickly as a default you know to go well you know relationships aren't really for me i don't know well, wait, maybe. but i i think dan is is on to something though Dan's on to plenty he's, he's on he's, he's so much he's on something well, I he's think that... He's got antidepressants. He's got a backwards hat in, in a large house, but he's really in a small house. Then, all right. But I think he's on to, like, how this culture stigmatizes divorce. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. And so, um, you know what? I just... Okay. So I, and I want, I want to speak to that because, you know, I've been single for well over 42 years. So you have some experience feel, in the matter. I feel there's a real stigma against being single. And and Dan, I wonder if you experience this, even within your own family. Do they want you to get That's married? That's a good question. Let's watch him try to weasel out of that. Um, no, I haven't in my own family. I think they, they uh, of course, my parents, have, I have two sisters, and they have husbands and children. So um, in terms of grandchildren, my parents have grandchildren. Um, and I think they uh, basically have written me off. I, 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 I don't want to, I wouldn't term it like, phrase it like that. I would just say, I, I don't think they're utterly overly disappointed. But more, which, what's more uh, helpful for me is I, I'm in a community. I think I have to go to the attic. What's that? It doesn't do this when I do a session. Hey, you know what? It's okay. Well, I was on a flow, you kind of interrupted me there. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm gonna go up to the attic where I think the reception might be better. Addie, you're fine. It's Addie Balfman, not Attic Balfman. <laughs> you were, what was I, that, Dan, what was that movie where they would chase the witches outside and they tried to get everybody to believe the witches were there? You know, it made a lot of money. Blair Witch Project. Blair Witch. She looks like she's doing a Blair Witch. But now she's in the attic. It's yeah. yeah. Addie, you, were kind of, you, were, you were fine where you were, but in any case, if you prefer the attic. Addie, the thing is, is, uh, you know, in the comedy community, we're sort of in a world where being single is not 
that stigmatized. So yeah. you have, say, a oh, yes, you have, say, a Mr. Just to throw some examples out, there's a Mr. Todd Barry, for example. Sure. Uh, he has a cat, which uh, <laughs> you know, and you got a Mr. Maneev, you got a Mr. Griffin, you got you got lots of them. You got a, a Mr. David Attell. Oh who, yes. Uh, you know, um, has has always been single, and he's in his mid fifties. So um, you have a Mr. Greg Rogel. I mean, there's quite a few people uh, in, in my position so that it right. becomes less weird. Yeah. Oh, right, right. Yeah. 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 Um, but you would feel things more acutely, you know, if you were a politician or, you know, you were a-, a It might a, be Lindsey Graham. They'd be saying I was gay. If you were a partner at a conservative law firm, they would say you were homosexual. Right. Which still, you have not, well, I don't think you are. I haven't necessarily proven that I'm you not. You need to any, see proof of that. In, in any, I mean, I, you know, uh, in any uh, definitive way, I'm not. But but uh, I don't know that uh, if one didn't believe me that they would. How does one uh, prove a negative, yes. Um, but yeah, if I were like in a, in a corporate law environment where everybody's married or, or at least w was married. You know? Right, right. But the lifetime bachelor, it, doesn't really you don't see that as much outside of stand-up where that's very very common uh, indeed and fortunately mm -hmm. for the rest of us instead of you know uh, uh, sort of being consumed with the responsibilities of fatherhood and being a husband you can devote all of your excess energy to racial justice well wait a minute now you know what I am now gonna go back to <laughs> no no I'm, I'm going to go back to my iPad because I'm up in the attic. Okay. I think it'll work better and I can see you better. Okay. So I am going to try to do that. So what do I do, Deb? I go to my email? Well, I think you're yeah. fine as is, Addie. We hear you fine. We see you reasonably well. The lighting she is... Thanks, she can't see us. You'll have to cut this part out, I guess, the... Uh... Well, this is part of, look, this is part of Zoom. This is part of the new... Part of the game. It's part of the game, baby. Um, I was going to try to pull up the Comedy Cellar lineup, but there is no lineup because it, we're on hiatus, if we, yes. we're on pandemic hiatus, just to go through and see how many people are lifelong uh, bachelors. Yeah, no, it's a good but question. Unfortunately, uh, there is no lineup. Well, you know, Dan, I guess another point I thought should be addressed is I felt that Dove was getting a little bit on the defensive when you said that you thought he might not find what he's looking for. I know what you mean. No, I look, I could explore that in a more gentle way if I thought it were, it would make engaging listening for people. But oh, something but we can discuss uh, in the Berkshires with the <laughs> um, after the reconciliation. Yeah. You know what? Maybe maybe Periel was on to something. You know, because I I'm close to both of my sons. And uh, I don't know. I've kind of I don't know. It was complicated. Hey, Dan, what would you think? You you're pretty good at sensing things about people. You've met Denise, haven't you? Indeed, yes I have. And so what do you think the problem might have been? Uh, you know, I've met her, but I, I you know, it, 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 it's weird for me to hear uh, that, that, that you're perceived as intrusive and, and intense, but that's not my experience. But again, 
I only see you when I see you. So how do I know what you're really like in that situation? But uh, so, no, I have no, uh, I, I can't really speak to that. Okay. She seemed nice to me, you know, Carmel skin goddess that she is. It's hard to share a small space, particularly with your mother or daughter-in-law, right? Well, no, you know what, Perielle? I actually made my own little house out of part of the chicken coop. <laughs> and yeah, uh, you hear that? She lived I in a chicken it. coop. I can't imagine why she would have taken issue with something like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can see if the chickens were upset about it, but what's Denise yeah. have? There were no like, birds. Mother-in-law just came and she moved into the chicken coop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, my mother did a beautiful job with the chicken coop, <laughs> and he lives on 26 acres. I mean, that's, you know, it really was that, a hell of a chicken coop. That changes things kind of a lot. Oh, thank you, Perry. How, how, how so? One of, uh, one of Denise's main issues with my mother was her lack of egg production. <laughs> if you're going to occupy the chicken coop, you got to produce. That was her line. Right. Um, so there were, there, where did the chickens go? But there were no chickens. There weren't, the there were in no the house, Dan. The chickens all have bedrooms in the house now. <laughs> there were no chickens. That's why I could, uh, you know, renovate a little part of the chicken coop. And uh, it, I loved it out there. It was wonderful. And so I didn't need to be in the house all that much. Yeah. My mother I, left her, then, uh, she know, left her. A million-dollar loft on the Lower East Side to uh, to move into a chicken coop in the Berkshires. <laughs> that that COVID really that'll get and to you. Periel, I guess you know uh, I was really wanting to stay there through the rest of the summer, and things came to a head when Orion started. My son started talking about how maybe I could build a tiny house or a yurt uh, in a meadow that was about tw a half a mile from their house. You're just like a Mongolian dwelling or something? Yeah, of course it is, yes. Dan. You think she's gonna yeah. live in an American dwelling? It's either a chicken coop or a yurt, you know that. Were you supposed yeah. to build that yourself? What? Huh? Were, you, were you supposed to build that yourself? Or was oh, I, I would have ordered one. And uh, actually I was interested in building a tiny house. I, I did wanna build something myself. And I, I thought maybe 27 and a half acres was enough room. I mean, that's but, uh, insane. I'm sorry. Like that, what, 27 acres, like you can't put your mother-in-law in a little house? Yeah, that, that's what no. I had a problem with. I don't with know if I want, you know, there's some serious family dynamics here that I'm, you know, that I'm not qualified to do. There isn't enough backstory. You gotta, Dan, you gotta keep the audience on point because without the context, I don't wanna lose anybody. Okay. For everybody, rather. It's good to be personal, but if we get into too many uh, uh, degrees of separation, then the listener is totally lost. Okay. Well, I, I would like to hear about uh, Addie's... Um, a yurt? No, not the yurt. Well, yurt is funny. <laughs> it is funny. Um, You're damn right it's funny. I don't know, that, you know what more we could do. I think it's the funniest house that anybody can live in, a yurt. Uh, wigwams, are, I guess, would be... Wigwam is also <laughs> funny. Do you live in a wigwam? I thought uh, a wigwam was more of a hall in which the Indians would go uh, and have a meeting. Wigwam, I'm just a uh, wigwam, uh, semi-permanent domed dwelling used by certain Native American tribes. From what okay, I, I'm with the good enough. That, that's, um, that is. It's 
not a teepee, but but it's. Um, I you know I think you may have found the one house funnier than a yurt. I think you might be right. <laughs> but Addy, I just wanted your your um, kind of thoughts on 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 the madness that's over. T not, I don't say madness, but 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 well, the madness of a sort, I guess. But of the uh, of the of the mass protests and the Black Lives Matter movement and all of that. If you have any thoughts. Wow. I have not been in any protests. Um, my heart's in it. I hope it goes on for a long, long time, actually. Um, it's wonderful to see so many young people involved. Um, I, you know what I was reading? Uh, up, up there in my chicken coop, I ordered that book, White Fragility. <laughs> and I re and why it's, and the subtitle is, I think, why it's so hard for white people to talk about race. And it really put, what? It had nothing to do with eggs, white fragility. <laughs> right, white fragility. But it did put me in touch with how defensive I can get. I mean, uh, you know, Denise is Costa Rican. And uh, one afternoon, she really confessed how she saw me as so white and privileged. And really talked a lot about it. And I felt myself a bit defensive. Because I don't like to think of myself as racist, but I was starting to get more in touch with that. I would argue that life in a chicken coop really reduces one's sense of, uh, uh, of um, what, what was the, the word? Oh, entitlement. Oh, entitlement. You know, I, I don't buy into this notion that, that, that if you're white in this society, you're racist automatically. And oh, you know, oh. I mean, that, that, is a, that is a notion that I've heard people have expressed. Right, you, right. Just, you absorb it and you can't help it. I mean, if they, to me, if there's anybody that's not racist, it's got to be Addie Bausman. Hey, but you know what, Dan? But you know what I learned? You know what this book pointed out to me? We have a very bad association with the word racist. <laughs> what, this, what, the, what this, no, no, seriously. We okay, you're need, right. you're 100 we need, right. We need to reframe the definition. We yeah. really do. Because it said that during the 60s, racism got a really bad name. It meant that you were just this mean, murderer, demonic, yeah. you know, person. And it really doesn't mean that. It means that we're, it can also mean that we're just so blindsided by by our own growing up in our white skin. Yeah, and, and other people are blindsided by, I mean, if racism is about presumption, then as tribal animals, we're all a bit racist. I mean, clearly there's an accent on being racist within your own dominant kind of part of the hierarchy is what right, it's referring but we, to. We participate in a, a, a system that yes. oppresses yes. other people. So Dan, you know, right. you can say that just by being white, maybe you're not actively being racist, but you are passively or not passively 
participating in 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 that system and benefiting from it. I don't. Yes. I wouldn't. I wouldn't argue yes. the nuanced aspects of the way Periel said that. What I would argue is that I'm afraid of the McCarthyistic bullshit on the left, which says, um, no, regardless of if I have an opinion <clears throat> as it relates to the black community, my opinion must um, is is sort of um, isolated within the definition of, I'm sorry, I'm not saying this well. My opinion isn't allowed. It is immediately uh, deconstructed and reappropriated to support the idea that I'm a part of white, that it's a function of privilege or it's a function of guilt, as opposed to it being a function of what could potentially be an intelligent observation. That was a lot of words to get there, but that's the that's the issue I have with it. It's not a nuanced exploration of any of it. It is a a clear right and wrong, which is the opposite of a dynamic idea flow. If I'm not allowed to have an observation about the black community having lived in the black community um, because I have white skin, um, then we can't really have a conversation. I don't think book. that's true, though. I don't. I, think, I don't. I don't think that that's true. I don't think it's that you can't have an opinion, but I do think that context yes. is is important in all things in life. Um, yeah, I, we're saying the same thing. Then I just felt like on the left, if you don't immediately go, if you're not holding a sign saying racial justice, and you go, well, you know, what if? And maybe not all cops are bet like. I'm not hearing nuance from- But that's not, but when you're idiot. talking about, you know, if the conversation is about one thing and then you, not you personally, but one starts right. deflecting about, but this thing too, and this thing too, right. it's like, you know, we're not talking about that. It's like, you know, if we're talking about your mom having HIV um, and it's like, well, you know, cancer is dangerous also. And it's like, but nobody's fucking talking about that. Right, right. Yeah, but at some point they should, because if the light is only focused on HIV, and HIV is connected to um, a potential, uh, like a, prom a promiscuous lifestyle, we need to talk about that lifestyle. That lifestyle is not just a function of HIV. But wait a minute, let me, let me say something here, because I, th I feel like there's a connection between COVID and racism. <laughs> there is. And, and, and that is- The racist I, virus. I'm starting to feel what I got out of reading White Fragility is my lack of awareness of how white I really think, how white my thoughts are. And I think that it's really important that we, we look at that without being defensive. Well, what I think COVID, I've noticed even in my dreams, now I'm, I'm going to sound a little crazy for a minute because I, there's going to be a lot of disconnect with what I'm saying. So I'm going to depend on you three to help pull it together. And that is, I feel like I wake up I, every day and COVID is a really big deal. Where I go shopping, who I talk to, who I hang out with, it. It causes discussions with my friend who I'm living with, who wants to be dating. 
and what that's going to be like and am I going to feel safe it's it's even in my dreams at night I have dreams that I'm with a group of people and I'm suddenly aware we're not wearing masks and I get really anxious so here's where I want to try to make and Perielle maybe you can help me where I want to try to make a connection with racism uh-uh. All right, I I think that if tomorrow someone told us there was no COVID, I don't know that we would believe it. And I think that with racism, I don't know. I I don't know how to express this. I don't. It's a good premise. It's a good idea. There's a horrible kind of dark feeling about COVID now, and how we're and us, we're struggling to figure out how to live our lives. We have to think every time we go out of the house. And I think if I had black skin. I think that I would have lived my whole life thinking That's right. no, about I what it's like to go out of my fucking house, who I could date, yes. who I yes. could talk to, what store I could go into, every aspect of my life. And yet, and yet. And, no, Dub, I'm not going to let you talk. Right. Every aspect of my life would be coming out of this awareness of having black skin in this culture. And I think, I think, yeah. I think, I think it's, that if you talk to, I mean, I don't want to say every person, but I have certainly understood from my life and the books I've read and the people I've spoken to and the research I've done and just being in the world and growing up where I grew up, um, is that that really is the experience of a lot of Black people that you have to think about things moment to moment that involve your yeah. safety that yeah. we take for granted. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. don't take it for granted. I grew up in an environment where I was outside the box. I did not have black skin and I don't claim to understand what that's like from the inside, but I do know what it's like to be an outsider and, and have to walk into situations where you feel unsafe. I do know that the history of most incoming immigrants in this country. I know that um, Pakistanis can have dark skin, but have a very different culture and don't seem to rankle white people as heavily. Um, I think there's a lot of nuance here that isn't being mentioned. And when we get swept up in the drama of, oh my God, what's it like having black skin? Yes, that's a very reasonable expl explanation. There's also another experience, which is when Jews weren't allowed in Ivy League schools, they just continued to really outperform other people. They have a very different history. I'm not equivocating them. I am saying they are not only victims. And I want to hear that voice as well as we are victims. And I'm not hearing it. But I, th there's an element of victimhood here, which doesn't feel super, um, uh, uh, doesn't feel nuanced to me. And perhaps we're not ready for the nuance yet. And right now we do need to just talk about being a victim of something. But at some point, we are well, going to have to engage in, why do? Why do? Do you think it's just dark skin? I can probably prove to you that that's not the case. We can talk about other communities with dark skin that don't seem to get, uh, to, to get you know, that don't have as- Deb, I, I don't think it's just dark skin. I think it's black yes. Americans. Yes, I agree. So that it isn't just race, it is culture. And so that's the point I'm making. It isn't just dark skin. Oh, oh. You've made my point for me. And so 
when I hear it's race, it's race, it's race. No, it's not. It is cultural. When I'm in a neighborhood and they play louder music than they do in other neighborhoods, and I go, hey, it's a black neighborhood, it seems to be louder. Does that make me a racist? Or, or am I an intelligent person having an observation about what's called pattern recognition, which is how we survived, survived in the forest for 10,000 years? It is not just race, it is culture. And we have to acknowledge that as well. Dan? Um, but once again, Dub, not afraid to go where others don't go. Um, yeah, I, I think there's, there's, there's truth to that, but I also think that, you know, I was talked that. about how every white family, every liberal white family would move out of the neighborhood when a black family moved in. Um, that it's like, well, there's so much hypocrisy and all this white shit. Like if white people really don't have any sort of cultural issue with what it's like living in a black neighborhood and I've lived in one, go fucking live there. It, it I think that's really the point. You and I think what you're saying is true. I think that like, that's exactly the point is that right. white people do have issues living in black neighborhoods. That's right. And, they and I don't think that you can why. talk about, I don't think that you can talk about you know, the things that you're saying without taking into consideration the deep, deep, deep rooted racist, insidious roots of this country yeah. with slavery and all of those I have things. no problem with that. I have no problem with all of that as long as I'm also allowed to say, I've lived in a black neighborhood, I didn't like it. Do you wanna hear why I didn't like it? It wasn't cause of skin color. It was fucking loud. And it was not the kind of place I would want to live again. Yeah, you and know so, who else doesn't want to live there? And I'm not racist there. for saying that. You know who else doesn't want to live there? Oh. Everybody else who's living there. Because no. <laughs> those <laughs> neighborhoods, because disenfranchised people, disenfranchised people have right. shitty access to all of the things that you want. Yeah, so then that has to be a part of the conversation with white people. And white people have to go, well, I see you doing this. And black people go, well, why the fuck do you think we're doing this? But as long as we feel guilty for having an observation about going to a movie theater, a black name, every comedian, listen, when Chris Rock talks about, you know, looking behind him uh, at the ATM and he goes, I'm not looking for white people. And when people do jokes about going to the theater in a black neighborhood, and black people are talking to the screen, those are very real cultural experiences that we've all had. And I don't want to be called racist because I have a pair of balls and I make an observation about an environment I'm in. If the fucking movie theater is loud, I don't care about the reasons you're all being loud. I'll think about race and my white experience after. I'm not going to that theater. But that's a privilege that you have. Other right? people can't say, I'll think about my race after. I agree with you, and that needs to be a part of this conversation. So I am not for a moment saying that white people don't have a great deal of exploration at hand. I am saying that I don't want to paint everybody immediately. And if, listen, if we change the meaning of the word racist, like my mother was talking about, to represent a much more nuanced experience of different tribal history, of course, but that isn't the way we're using it in contemporary media. We're using it to cancel culture. That is McCarthyism. I can have an observation about the world that I'm living in without being a racist in the cancerous sense of the word. 
And so that's the part that I want to stick up for. And I'm not hearing it from people. I'm only hearing the NPR narrative. Oh. But maybe it's not their job right but, now. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the important thing now, and frankly, the thing that white people haven't been doing for decades, if not centuries, is really like shutting the fuck up and yeah, trying to understand what it is like to have an experience of being black in America. I, I, one thing I'll say about that is that yeah, we should shut up and listen. Yeah. We should, but after we've listened, we should be allowed to speak. Yes. Sure. Nobody's pro prohibiting anybody. Wait, from no, Perry, wait, I disagree. Wait, wait, let me I tell think you. everything wait, I've heard wait, on wait, NPR wait, is there wait. is a prohibition. They, I, I do feel prohibited to have an observation about what it was like living in a black neighborhood and why I did not like it. I feel very prohibited and I feel very judged. But Addy, you, you, you had something to say? Yeah. Uh, actually, when I was reading White Fragility, Periel, <laughs> I, I, it was like, it, what the author said that was news to me was, no, it's not the time for us to listen anymore. We've had our chances. For decades, Black Americans have tried to tell us what it's like. Yes. And she actually said, no, it's not up to them anymore. It's not their responsibility. That's, that yeah. we have to start looking into ourselves and quit we're, looking we're, to we're them. We're all saying the same thing. None maybe, of this maybe. And oh, you no. know what? My thing is, my my phone's gonna cut out the charge, so I'll have to go to my iPad. But I'm up in the attic, so it'll be better. Well, we, we've um, you know, okay. we've we've done like much more time, right? You know, we, we're we're about at the end anyway. Oh, okay, okay. I'm sorry. I won't worry about it then. Go ahead. Um. Well, one thing I do want to say is that I was watching some videos. Our friend John Laster, who's a comic, has his hashtag called um why don't you talk about your opinion the john laster challenge all right well my opinion is is this my opinion is as follows my opinion is that there, there may be reasons there may be statistical reasons that cops interact with the black community more than with the white community and there may be reasons why there's more arrests and 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 the black crime rate may be higher it, it is higher statistically but what I want to just get at right now is, is though, though the vast majority of black people are not criminals, obviously, and they're still feeling the weight of yes. this, um, this, um, the stereotype, even if the yes. stereotype has some statistical backing, you know, right. so a guy like John Laster, who's not a criminal, gets thrown up against the hood of a car right. and, 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 and manhandled by the police. And Mark Theobald, who's another friend of ours, or fellow comedian, actually I haven't seen him in years, but you know, they all have stories, right? So they all have yeah. the John Laster challenge, it's called hashtag John Laster challenge. And it's all these black guys talking about their stories. Some of them are pretty hair raising cops telling them, just going rifling through their car, can't find anything and said, just get out of, get out of town and right. don't ever come back here again. So, and, and you know, um, so there are innocent victims uh, yeah. and we need to figure out a way that John Laster doesn't get harassed and we got away not accused of a crime that he doesn't commit yeah, and everybody in the world said what you said what's the point you're making i mean who doesn't agree with that we want oprah arrested well, well, of course. The, point, well the point i'm making is first of all that i was not aware i was not aware and i can't be the only one who was not aware call me naive 
I've heard right. every Tommy, black comic Tommy, at the Tommy. cellar talk about how they can't get a taxi. How are you not aware of that? About the taxi. Yeah, the taxi, I know, but most taxi drivers aren't white. So it's not a white black thing. But the well, again, now you have something even deeper to look into. Why, uh, you know, but okay. But, but, but the point is, is, yeah, I knew they can't get a cab. I didn't know how many black people that we know and how many black people in general. But this have isn't just about the cops. experience with the cops. Well, but I'm focusing on the cops because that's okay. what the current well, uh, yeah. controversy is. So, you know, we have to figure out a way that policing can be done effectively. We all agree on without that. Without people that we know and love and, and uh, getting harassed and sometimes beaten by the cops. Yeah, of course. But again, I, I say it because I really didn't know that they were having these experiences. Oh, okay. oh, I just didn't know that. I know, I know about not being able to get a cab. I knew about that, but the, the idea that you know you right. Robinson along. talks about the cops all the time. I've heard a, I've heard many many times. So yes, we accept that. But of course, now that you know that, we have to figure out a way to have a more even-handed experience. But it goes so much deeper than that, though. It's not just the right. cops. It's starting out oh. when you're a small child, and like at a certain point, like every single black parent has to have a talk with their right, child about right. how to behave in the world. It's not just the right. cops, it's going into a store, it's walking down right. the street. For Breonna yeah. Taylor, it's sleeping in your bed. Well, it's it's like, a, it's, a, it's a kind of COVID, it's a disease. Well, you we have it in this culture. COVID is an interesting one, and, and, and no doubt black, many black people feel exactly as you stated, that it's constantly with them. They have right. to constantly, every move they make, they have to, they have bring, to. They have to bring their mask with bring, them. Bring they have them. to bring their, 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 you know, what, what do you wash your hands with? Uh, it, they're correct. constantly thinking about it. Ironically, Jarrell sounds like a black, uh, black person's name. Jarrell does sound like a black uh, girl's name. I bring a little levity into it. I hope I bring, I bring some levity. <laughs> <laughs> somebody will be, but, but, um, uh, you know, we all agree, I think, Addy, with what you're saying. Dove is trying to answer the question, why has it come to this? Why does, why do other browns... I don't think I'm trying to answer it as much as I am saying, let's make sure the conversation is dynamic and that white people aren't shamed for having experiences, even if their experiences are a function of their own innate racism. You follow me? Because I'll tell them? you, I think what, I mean, it's coming out and I think COVID helped it to come out. I mean, Trump wanted to deny the danger of, of this virus, right? And I think we, as white Americans, would like to deny that it's sort of pretty awful. and every other, everybody else, but yeah, okay. Anyway. Uh, I missed that. But you know, a lot of people denied. A lot of people were denied. Uh, I'm just saying it wasn't just Trump. Yeah. Addie's making an analogy between denying COVID and denying uh, the racism. Innate racism, yeah. Well, look, no doubt we all have our, our um, beliefs and most of what us- What does Noam say? Periel, do you remember what, does Noam have a central position on this? He usually no, has like a position, well- Noam's position is roughly my position. He, he looks at the statistics and the studies seem to indicate that black people are not more likely to get killed by the cops per yeah. police interaction. They right. have interactions with the police and, and, and we can discuss the reasons for that. But the studies do indicate a higher level of harassment and physical manhandling by the police. Those are what the statistics seem to show in the studies that we have available to us. Although if anybody has other studies, they certainly, we'd love to see them. But, and you're yeah. getting statistics from a system that in my opinion is oh. inherently and systemically designed 
against black people. So of course you're going to get those numbers. Right, right, so, right, so, right. Is it possible, Perry, that those numbers are accurate? Even if those <laughs> numbers are accurate, they're still skewed. And also above be and beyond. But even and even if they are accurate, that's it, you. You guys throw out these numbers as though like the conversation ends because these. It doesn't end because it doesn't end because I said that there's. Yeah, it doesn't end. But it does issues. need to be a part of the conversation. And it, it, it's, not it gets just, it's not just shootings. It's being pulled over. It's being harassed. It's being beaten. It's having your car ransacked. Do you know what? You know what I notice in this look. All four of us are white. To varying degrees. And, and, <laughs> and, and, and wait a minute, wait a minute. And the two who are most outspoken about this with emotion are Periel and myself. Women. Women. And, to be women. and I think you white men ha are threatened. Is it the penis size? <laughs> I don't, maybe. Well, but I think white men are even more. I mean, in some ways, m more responsible for the institutionalized racism. White, white and, uh, men in general are responsible because it's men that govern society. So right. whatever, women were exactly. making biscuits. Exactly. Women making biscuits. Whatever, yes. So whatever's going down, yes, it's men. The good yeah, and the sure. bad. It's, no, it's no, listen, I have no problem with any of that. I just want, I want the forum to be dynamic. Oh, and also, I. Yeah, I, I feel like the, the the cancel culture component we we can't we can't just sweep that under the rug. That's very real, and everybody I've heard in academia, Bill Maher rails against it. Every interesting podcaster is railing against it. The cancel culture component is very dangerous. You should be able to have opinions without being canceled. That way it allows us to talk about them. If something I'm saying is coming from a racist perspective and I'm not seeing it, if I'm not allowed to tell you about it then you right. never point the finger at me and go, hey, Doug, right. can you see it this way? Talk about it this way. I want to be able to communicate with black people about my experience of black America as well right. so that I'm better informed. And what we're going to do is we're going to create a culture of white people that are afraid to have any opinions about right. black people. Right. And we're right. all going to suffer for that. Watch what happens. Right. Well, maybe, maybe our next guest could be somebody with whom Dove can have this conversation. Let's them. have it, absolutely. I also, Addy, I just want to say that I agree with what you said before also. I mean, the onus is on us to speak out and like to change it, right? Where it's not this like passive thing where we just listen. I mean, that is, right. I mean, that right. should have been over. I mean, that's something that should happen every single day, right? Yeah, yeah. Addy is running out of power. <laughs> uh, we have done an hour, 10 minutes roughly. Yeah. So I like to leave the people wanting more. Uh, okay. I will say that I think there's a love connection that has been made between Periel and Addie. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope that they uh, continue to stay in touch with each other because I think they're very fond of each other. That's my um, <laughs> sense of things, but I, I've been wrong before. Um, thank you, Addie, for joining us. Wonderful to see you again. And hopefully I'll see you okay. maybe in actual reality. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, like and Addie. nice to meet you, Periel. And Dove, I love you. Yeah, yeah. Last wow. month, there's plenty of love to go around. God bless everybody. Plenty of love Even to go around. Not, not exactly the same as saying I love you to your mother. Plenty I love, love you, Mom. Okay. okay. <laughs> I'll hear you say it. All right. Um,
because we don't say it enough to those we uh, care about. Oh, shut up. Yeah. I love you too, Dan. Oh, shut up. <laughs> oh, for God's sake. Come on. Trying to bring me into this. You know, I can't, you know I can't express myself like that. I'm um, the white guilt. Um, all right. You're all right. I'll say that. You're okay, yeah? Don't go that far. <laughs> All right, guys. So, uh, okay. Dub Davidoff on Twitter and Instagram, and um, Perry L, of course, is uh, at I don't know what. I mean, <laughs> she's. Um, you can follow us at Live from the Table. At Live from the Table. <laughs> oh yeah, and Perry L, make sure you um, if you send me a clip, I'll do the Instagram. I thing. will. And uh, you, if comments, questions, suggestions at a podcast at comedycellar.com. We'll see you next time. Have a great week, everybody. Stay safe. <laughs> Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye, Perio. Bye, Addie. <laughs>